Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you so much for joining us and letting us be part of your day. Hope you had a good weekend. We kick off a new week. Lots to talk about. We'll talk weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Talk markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. And a lot to talk about out of Washington, D.C., Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley will join us. We'll be getting his thoughts on the stimulus package and more coming up later on. He should have some, uh, I would think, some pretty strong thoughts on the package. In fact, let's start there with our first guest. Always happy to start the week off with Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, thanks for joining us. And yeah, a lot of the discussion will be around the $1.9 trillion stimulus package that passed the Senate on a party-line vote goes back to the House for some uh, uh, cleanup work there as they take up the changes made in the Senate, then it's expected to go uh, right to the president's desk and be signed. Uh, what are your thoughts on this bill as far as what's in it for agriculture? Well, good morning, Mike. Always a pleasure to be with you. And yes, our team was very busy watching the final debate over the weekend as expected, and we talked about last week, uh, there were enough votes to get this through the Senate, uh, pretty much party line. We had one uh, senator from Alaska who had to go back for a funeral, so the the, the votes reflected that. But uh, otherwise, the uh, Senate Democrats were able to approve this, as you mentioned, 1.9, that's trillion with a T, package, uh, there were some modifications, however, and Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia worked with both uh, Democrats and Republicans to lift up some provisions that I think will be very helpful to a lot of your listeners, and that is that the infrastructure uh, spending can include broadband now, and we all know how important broadband is, and it was exasperated during the uh, pandemic uh, that has just made it so crucial for everybody to have to have connectivity. So that's good. There's also a bunch of provisions in here, $22.7 billion in ag and nutrition assistance provisions, including $3.6 billion in aid for the food supply chain, $500 million for providers, also an extension through the summer of a temporary 15% increase in supplemental nutrition assistance program benefits. So a lot here also, as we've discussed in the past, a big package for farmers who have faced discrimination in the past. And um, the Congressional Budget Office estimates that there'll be 15,000 minority farmers who could claim payments under this package and get an average of about $222,000. That's intended to cover the cost of debt repayment on any USDA loans, as well as the tax liability on that indebtedness. So, um, yeah, lots of lots of money that's going to be flowing in this package, and some of it to rural America. Two things can be true at the same time. There are some very beneficial things you just pointed out for agriculture and other parts of the bill. But there are concerns. I mean, first of all, the size of it, $1.9 trillion, some inflationary concerns, concerns over state bailouts. And um, 
<laughs> the fact that, I, and I think about this, prisoners getting checks. I think of all the criticism of uh, uh, some people getting uh, checks that have owned farmland that weren't actually farmers, and the outcry over that, and I wonder how much outcry there'll be over convicted murderers, in some cases, getting stimulus checks. Well, I think there's going to be a lot of analysis done of these payments, and certainly there has been criticism already that it's too robust by a lot of different economists on both sides of the political aisle. And there's concerns about inflation and, you know, the, everything heating up in the markets. Uh, I guess, you know, there's two sides, of course, to every part of the story, and there's some saying that we can't be too shy about stimulus, that we have to look back at what the Obama team did and make sure that we're you know, making everybody whole and others who are saying it's just too rich. So uh, I do think there's going to be additional debate. You know, Mike, we are the only ag media publication that I know of that published all the payments that went out so far under CFAP. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's up on our website. And you can see a lot of money has already gone out to people who are hurt, hurt by the pandemic. The difference, of course, here is a lot of these payments are not pandemic-related. They are just right. payments that go to everybody. Yeah, and we're going to get a lot of reaction to that in the days to come, and including later on today's program from Senator Grassley. Uh, meanwhile, Sarah, uh, we're getting closer, I guess, on some more confirmations uh, for, for some key spots like Michael Regan at EPA. Yeah, this week that we're going to see consideration of more of the nominees from President Biden and is one of those who's likely to be considered. He's not first up. Uh, They're going to look at Merrick Garland and and others. Uh, But uh, it will be important to get the new EPA administrator in place. Uh, We, of course, are uh, uh, having our own interest in that because we'd like to have him speak at our summit on March 24th, but uh, he is widely supported by the ag community right now for his willingness to have open conversations with the ag community, his willingness to consider the uh, concerns about over-regulation, and so I think it's going to be great if uh, he can get up for a vote, and I don't think he's going to have any problem. Yeah, hope you get him as your one of your speakers for your summit. Meanwhile, Congress probably not done spending money. They may spend some money to get farmers to enroll acres in the CRP program. Well, as you know, in the past, there's been a lot of controversy over this also, Mike, because <laughs> sometimes the government was paying more than local rental rates. So mm-hmm. the government was outbidding local folks, and that's never good when you've got that kind of market inter- interference. But... Some people see the Conservation Reserve Program as a way to address climate change and sequester carbon. So um, they want to boost the enrollment up to as high as that you know it can possibly go uh, under the most recent Farm Bill. So there is going to be a lot of conversation about that. And I also think it will be part of the discussion when the Senate Ag Committee later this week on Thursday talks about climate change and possible policy changes that may be needed. So we're going to be watching that very closely as well. Yes, indeed. And real quick again about your summit coming up this month. uh, Tell us a little bit more about how people can get signed up for that. Yeah, Mike, it's uh, really timely, and I can't tell you how good it will be for people that want to get up to speed on the climate change debate because we've got everyone 
from <clears throat> lawmakers, the heads of the Senate and House Ag Committees and ranking members, as well as a lot of experts, talking about the challenges of measuring of what we're actually looking for for outputs and all the different things that you might want to be thinking about on carbon credits. And that's easy to sign up on our website at agra-pulse.com under events. And you can see that we've got three half days of programming and it should be a really good experience for folks. Yep. Lots of good information. All right, Sarah, thank you very much. Good to talk with you. Thank you, Mike. Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Up next, a look at the weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson, right here on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. As a farmer, I want a cooperative that's there for me. Not the other way around. A local co-op that works for me and works with CHS. To connect me with local experts I know and trust. And put a global network of markets and supply at my fingertips. A co-op that's here to help us. Own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Michael Langmeyer, Purdue Ag Economist, for the latest numbers in the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. He joins us now with a look at the February numbers. Does it look like there's too much change from January? Yes, the index has been very, very constant since approximately uh, November. One thing that has changed in the last few months is the fact that the index of current conditions is much higher now than the index of future expectations. And when you look at some of the questions related to the index of current conditions, it's pretty obviously to see what's on people's minds. One of the questions we ask related to current conditions is, do you think financial performance this year is going to be better than last year? And we know that 2020 was a pretty good income year for a lot of farmers. Uh, 37% think that 2021 is going to be even better uh, than 2020. And so that's certainly optimism uh, when you're looking at the next 12 months. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. 
a public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. March has really come in like a lamb for much of the country, but is there a lion ready to roar at some point? Let's talk it over with Bryce Anderson, DTN Senior Meteorologist. Bryce, um, every day I enjoy some very mild weather here in Illinois, wondering uh, when does uh, reality set in and remind us we're not quite uh, to spring yet. Uh, is that change coming? There's going to be a, a little bit of a temperature difference uh, ahead over the next week and a half or so, Mike. Uh, we're going to have still very uh, mild conditions probably until Wednesday. And then uh, there is a cold frontal boundary uh, starting to form out in Washington and uh, Idaho that's going to start working uh, eastward and southeastward through the north central and the central part of the country by late week and uh, it's going to throw a little bit of snow in the parts of the northern plains not very much and um, that front then is uh, quite possibly just going to become a stationary frontal boundary and uh, you know take a track kind of uh, you know between interstate 70 and interstate 80 during the next uh, seven to ten day period with uh, more of a uh, springtime precip pattern forming in much of the um, Midwest, except for the northern uh, third of the region. And then over the southern plains, we could see a pretty good shot of, uh, of rainfall uh, from about Friday through uh, Monday. So there's that going on. But it is going to be you know, a little bit more like early spring, I think, over, over quite a bit of the uh, midsection of uh, the country. And temperatures are going to be cooler, but still they're not going to just revert to a real bitter cold pattern. I would say more on a uh, near to below normal track. Uh, but again, uh, nothing, uh, you know, on, on the order of just a real harsh cold wave that's going to send us all, uh, you know, huddled inside uh, the, the uh, sleeping bags and, and the heavy coats again uh, when it does take place. But the real welcome news in what you just said, some moisture coming for some places that could use it. They, they really do need precip in, in the southwestern plains especially. And uh, this coming weekend, there is uh, a lot of, um, a lot of uh, commentary from both the public and the private sectors in the uh, weather forecasting arena um, regarding uh, the potential for anywhere from about three-quarters to an inch and a quarter of moisture, of precipitation in the southwestern plains uh, from you know, western Kansas south through uh, the Texas Panhandle, and then from south-central Kansas into north-central Oklahoma, uh, precip that could uh, reach over two inches in uh, its extent. Now, you know, along with that comes the potential for thunderstorms to bring heavy rainfall in a short period of time and and uh, that associated uh, energy uh, but so that's going to you know still be a part of things possibly but by and large uh, the biggest feature crop wise is that there could be some 
uh, moisture that really helps out. And everybody knows that the winter wheat crop is uh, on the edge of uh, going out of the dormancy phase, starting to uh, to have that uh, spring uh, spring uh, development and um, expansion and and uh, associated uh, moving uh, toward uh, actually making the wheat crop now. So this is uh, a, a, a shot of uh, precipitation that would really be well utilized. Longer range, what do you see at the end of this month and going into April? Well, I think uh, for uh, temperatures, this uh, cooler pattern that is going to uh, develop is going to be pretty dominant uh, through the last half of March and then on into April. Uh, that's going to, I think, lead to a couple of uh, fairly beneficial effects, uh, actually. First of all, it's going to uh, help curtail the um, the onset of a lot of green up on uh, various uh, plants uh, around the Midwest, around the central part of the country, uh, which uh, is, I think, favorable for maybe helping to avoid uh, any, uh, any real uh, bad uh, damage from frost that would occur maybe in mid-spring or something like that. You know, you really don't want to have everything greening up too quickly. And then on the other hand, too, uh, with uh, maybe a little bit of a slowdown in that temperature progression, uh, we might have a slower start to the green-up phase for pastures, uh, for, uh, for wild uh, uh, areas of uh, vegetation, weeds, and uh, that would help in terms of maybe not tapping into the soil moisture profile quite as early. So a couple things there. And um, along, that, uh, along that line, uh, with this uh, you know, little bit of a cooler trend, maybe it allows uh, some, some uh, you know, individual uh, occurrences of showers to uh, kind of pop up and offer some uh, moisture. Because we, we still have quite a few areas of uh, the, the major crop country that could use uh, some moisture, and I don't think anybody would turn it down. We're talking with DTM meteorologist uh, Bryce Anderson. All right, Bryce, uh, what's going on in South America? Well, it's just more of the same. Uh, this uh, weather pattern in South America is pretty much stuck in place uh, with uh, moderate to heavy rain again for central Brazil this week. Mato Grosso could see from 2 to 5 inches of precip. Uh, there have been uh, images uh, put out, pictures on social media, uh, highlighting uh, how slippery the roads have gotten, how how bad it is for uh, trying to move uh, soybeans out of the field areas uh, towards some uh, some uh, export loading facilities. So you've got that problem. Uh, the soybean quality itself is maybe in question in some areas because it's been too wet. And, of course, uh, wetter conditions just keep harvest kind of creeping along. And along with that, the uh, planting of the safrina corn crop has been delayed. And uh, it's running, what, a good uh, two weeks or so. Uh, behind average, so there's uh, that concern, and then you get farther south, and uh, from southern Brazil through Argentina, they're going to have less than a quarter of an inch of rainfall this week, uh, with uh, the temperatures pretty much in the low to mid-90s. The Buenos Aires Grain Exchange last week said that uh, if things did not improve, that, uh, that, uh, that panel of experts uh, was going to uh, start cutting back its uh, forecast for Argentina production. It's right now at 46 million metric tons for both corn and soybeans. 
but uh, if things don't get better quickly, uh, they could start uh, pulling that back a little bit. So there is plenty of concern about how things are going to be for the soil moisture in Argentina. Mm. Untimely rains causing problems in Brazil, lack of rain problems in Argentina then, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just uh, it's just really uh, either side of uh, unfavorable. And what's remarkable to me is how this pattern has just kind of been locked in place for a good two weeks now. Uh, you know, we started uh, you know having this uh, occur back in uh, late February, and uh, here we are uh, with basically no change in uh, in this particular trend in South America. So there is uh, reason for concern. On, an, on a couple of different areas, uh, but uh, both those areas are adverse to uh, putting out the kind of crop that they would like to have. Yeah, I think the key word there was trend. It's gone on long enough now. It is a trend. So we'll see how that plays into the markets. Obviously, it certainly uh, has a lot of impact when you look at both on the soybean harvest side as well as the corn planting side. Uh, finally, Bryce, as we, uh, uh, you know, I keep asking you about uh, weather patterns and, and water temperatures in the ocean. What are, what are we looking at for our summer here? Hello? I think we lost. Yeah, you still there, Bryce? I thought we lost you for Hi. a moment. You back? Hello again, Mike. Yeah, I don't know what happened. <laughs> uh, we, we, had, we had a solar flare come out of nowhere, I guess. Yeah, but, there you uh, go. I was asking about any, anyway, what your... Yeah, I was asking about what you see for our summer weather here. Let's go really long range to wrap this up. Well, the the trend this summer, I'm uh, I, I think, is going to be one of mainly dry conditions, uh, below normal precip, uh, particularly west of the Mississippi. East of uh, the Mississippi, there's a a little bit better uh, prospect for near near normal precipitation, but uh, the the uh, forecast is also definitely on the warm side for the entire central part of the country, except for maybe the far northern plains. But otherwise, we are looking at a very warm to potentially hot summer ahead with not a whole lot of precipitation. That's a, uh, that's a concerning combination right now. Yep, we'll be watching that closely. As always, Bryce, good to talk with you. Thank you. You're welcome, Mike. Talk to you later. DTN Senior Meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Up next, lots to talk about with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley here on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Each and every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique, original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day -day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crops, cattle, equipment technology, and more. You'll find innovative topics like, would you plant soybeans in December? Experiments look at the possibility of boosting yields with early planting. Want to save time? Learn how through autonomous machinery systems. Will there be a surge in feed prices in 2021? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? 
The editors of DTN and Progressive Farmer are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. South American weather worries have extended into March. Continued rains in Brazil and dryness in Argentina are the primary reasons crop markets surged higher overnight. We are seeing a mixed tone throughout the grain and oilseed sector this morning with lower corn and wheat futures. On the Board of Trade, May corn trading six and a fraction lower at 5.39 and three quarters. The July contract down five and a half cent at 5.28 and a half cent. For soybeans, the May contract up eight and a half cents at fourteen thirty-eight and a quarter. The July contract up eight cents at fourteen twenty-one and three quarters. For the wheat, Chicago wheat may down eight and a fraction at six forty-four and three quarters. Kansas City wheat may down nine and three quarters at six sixteen and a half cent. Minneapolis spring wheat may down six and a fraction at six thirty-nine. The July contract down six and a fraction at six forty-four and three quarters. It is a new week, and feedlots may be a bit nervous over the potential of packers to reduce bids based on the outcome of last week. We can be assured neither side will tip their hand early until there is a better indication of demand. Hogs remain in an uptrend and it will take a significant event to trigger liquidation of long positions. On the Board of Trade, April lean hogs trading 25 cents lower at 86.92. The May contract down 35 at 89.12. For feeders, the March contract up 20 at 134.80. The April contract up 47 at 139.50. For live cattle, the April contract trading 15 cents lower at 118.87. The June contract up 7 at 118.07. In the outside markets, the Dow is up 301 points. The Nasdaq composite up 23. The S&P 500 up 23. Crude oil in New York, the April contract down 82 cents at 65.27 per barrel. The U.S. dollar index is trending higher. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. For the American Ag Network, I'm Kirsten Rawl. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready, and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. We always look forward to our conversations with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley, and we certainly have a lot to talk about today as the Senator joins us. Senator Grassley, welcome back to AOA. Hey, you know, I'm always glad to be with you, and I think we get together at least once a month, don't we? 
Yes, we do. This one timed out really good because we can talk about the uh, the stimulus package that passed uh, on party lines out of the Senate. Now it goes to the House uh, for them to take up the changes that were made in the Senate and then on to the President. $1.9 trillion. Let's start about what concerns you about this bill. Well, one of the things that concerns me as it deals directly with agriculture is that I tried to get on the get part of the Senate bill what Congressman Feenstra got through the House Agriculture Committee uh, to help uh, the victims of derecho, but it also helps all farmers that have uh, some disaster. Uh, and uh, and of course, uh, Feenstra got a, a bipartisan support for it out of Agriculture Committee. Then the Rules Committee took it out. So when the bill passed the house it wasn't in there and i tried to get it in and 48 out of 49 republicans voted for it and not a single democrat voted for it and every one of those democrats have farmers and i can't believe that those uh, <clears throat> those rural state democrats were going to support the farmers and uh, that's one of the sad things that happened as far as i'm concerned because I thought that the, I tried to explain the damage that was done to the derecho, 855,000 acres of crop destroyed, uh, that there'd be quite a sympathy for that. But we just didn't get a single Democrat vote. There are a lot of concerns raised about this bill. The amount, the size of it, obviously, inflationary concerns, money for state bailouts, and also even prisoners getting checks. Uh, what Talk about some of the, uh, the biggest concerns you see moving forward with a bill of this size that goes beyond the scope of COVID. Well, if the president signs it, it's the law of the land. And uh, let me explain that uh, we, we could have had bipartisan support for... Um, uh, about $600 billion of it, which is about a third of the package, uh, because it was targeted towards those that had real need. And, uh, and, uh, and that got uh, all but one Republican voting for it, and, uh, but not a single Democrat. And that's something that could have been passed a month ago if there was a, uh, like the Democrats say, there's such a big need for it. Uh, but uh, uh, beyond that, the other two-thirds that you're talking about, uh, I could, uh, any one of the things that you brought up, for instance, $350 million, billion dollars to state and local governments, when uh, a lot of that's going to be dished out with uh, where they have high unemployment. The reason they have high unemployment in New York and California is because the governor shut down the economy, whereas in Iowa we have low unemployment, and uh, we're, we're going to get peanuts compared to what California gets. Can you believe California is going to get billions of dollars and it's got a $20 billion surplus? Can you believe it? Uh, New York's going to get billions of dollars. They have less people than Florida, and Florida's going to get a lot less than New York gets. Uh, when, the, when these uh, states are poorly run, they shouldn't be rewarded for it. And then let's look at K-12 through education. Uh, there's still tens of billions of dollars that were appropriated in December uh, for schools, and that's not even out of Washington yet. And this has $135 billion in it for education. Some of it doesn't spend out until the year 2028. 
uh, how uh, this is supposed to be a package because of the virus pandemic. It ends up being a, a liberal wish list for the majority party. That on top of the money from the last package hasn't been spent. All of it hasn't been spent yet. Uh, oh, absolutely right. And and beyond the education that I just mentioned, uh, there's about a trillion dollars of the $4 trillion that's been put out in five bipartisan bills before Christmas that uh, that uh, isn't spent yet. And then another one of nine-tenths trillion dollars on it, that gets back to the point you were making. A lot of uh, economists are saying that with the personal savings we have, which is almost at historic levels, with the trillion dollars from previous packages that haven't been spent, plus those one and nine-tenths trillion dollars, we could be looking at an inflationary uh, explosion here uh, in a few months. And it's something that they don't seem to be worried about, and I'm worried about, and that's one of the reasons I didn't vote for it. But just think, five bipartisan bills that passed before all of last year, before Christmas, the last one, and... Uh, and they all passed 90 votes or more, and you get the Democrats taking over both the House, the Senate, and the presidency, and they don't want to work in a bipartisan way. And there were 10 Republicans went down to the White House about a month ago to talk about the ability of getting a bipartisan package put together that was targeted and help the people that really have need, not to help a whole bunch of programs that uh, unrelated to the virus. Yeah, those calling for unity, but uh, didn't seem to be much unity in this bill. No, and that was the main point of uh, of uh, the president's inaugural address: is he wanted to work across party line or uh, work across the aisle, uh, get bipartisanship. Doesn't seem to happen. We're talking with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley. Now there was um, kind of amendment or a bit of a change made to allow some of this money. For- uh, to be used for rural broadband, so that looked like a positive. Yeah, uh, and that's something that'll probably come up again if we have a uh, uh, infrastructure bill. There's a real need for broadband. You know, there's an increasing need for it with the tech uh, technology that's going into agriculture, but there's also a need for telehealth, particularly in rural America. And then uh, distant learning if we don't get the kids back to the classrooms. Or even if we do get them back to the classrooms, uh, the uh, educators can supplement people's education through uh, the use of the Internet. You mentioned uh, uh, infrastructure. Do you think you can pass an infrastructure bill now? Yes, if they find a way to pay for it. Now, I'm going to suggest paying for it out of some of this money that's going to be spent well after the virus is under control. Like uh, I mentioned, education going out to 2028. Uh, I imagine you could finance half of a uh, trillion dollar, uh, half of a trillion dollar infrastructure bill by just diverting, diverting the money that's borrowed for this infrastructure bill that's or i mean this uh, virus bill that's not needed once the virus is under control and uh, and because the bill wasn't targeted towards those in need then let's say one and two tenths trillion dollars is being appropriated unrelated to the virus 
uh, why not take that one and two tenths trillion dollars to finance uh, uh, the infrastructure bill? Yeah, the, these numbers are staggering. Uh, what about uh, efforts to reform the H-2A visa program and address the ag labor issue? Well, if you could get H-2A out of committee and get it on the floor without people adding a bunch of other immigration legislation to it, it'd be relatively non-controversial. But that's a sticker, I think. A stickler, I think. Mm-hmm. And what are your thoughts on what's happening at the border right now, our southern border, and the, uh, the, well, the those coming in? Well, it's quite obvious that Trump good, uh, did a good job of shutting down the border, and we have an open border now. How can you be a sovereign nation if just anybody can walk into our country without permission? Americans can't go to any other country without having the permission to enter that country. You know, you got to have a visa and a passport and everything to get in. Uh, and and there's a lot of restrictions, uh, like you can't go to some countries because you haven't been tested. You got to be uh, in quarantine for 14 days. Uh, they uh, they tested 108 people coming across the Mexican border, and they aren't testing everybody, but they tested uh, one group of people that had 108 people in it, and uh, and the 108 people were uh, allowed in to spread uh, the virus throughout the country, wherever they might go. And finally, real quick, uh, what's going to happen with the filibuster in the Senate? Well, as long as Manchin and uh, Cinema, two Democrat senators, say that they aren't for changing it, it won't be changed, and then we'll have the Senate do what the Senate's supposed to do for 240 years. It's supposed to carefully... Uh, consider legislation and work in a bipartisan way or nothing gets done. And if uh, they do away with the filibuster, uh, the majority party is going to do whatever they want to do. So for the Democrats, that might be uh, repealing the Taft-Hartley law and repeating, repealing the right, uh, indirectly repealing the right to, law, right to work law in Iowa. So you have to belong to a union in order to keep a job, just as one example. Yeah, a lot on the line here for sure. We'll watch it closely. Senator, as always, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Talk to you next month. Yeah, goodbye. Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley, some strong feelings on this uh, stimulus package that has passed on party lines out of the Senate. Looks to be on its way to being enacted, the $1.9 trillion package. We'll be talking more about that in the days ahead, its impact on agriculture. Uh, But coming up next, a look at the markets. We talk it over with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Stay with us. This is AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. 
here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to really cook. First, you can't tell it's done by how it looks. Use a food thermometer. Then, always stir, rotate the dish, and cover food when microwaving to prevent cold spots where bacteria can survive. Fast cooking should still be safe cooking. And bring sauces, soups, and gravies to a rolling boil when reheating. Even for the most experienced cooks, the improper heating and preparation of food means bacteria can survive. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day -day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crop, cattle, equipment, technology, and more. They are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system, from global market access to local expertise. We'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Farmers and operators don't always have to get a new piece of machinery to get state-of-the-art performance. At Intelligent Ag, our company was founded by farmers and innovators to build smart farming technology to help you get the most out of your ag equipment, meaning improved performance and high return on investment. The next time you think you need an upgrade on your equipment, consider Intelligent Ag upgrades. We offer flow monitoring and section control solutions on air seeders and fertilizer floaters. Visit IntelligentAg.com to learn more. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Greg Dowd, former U.S. Chief Ag Negotiator for the U.S. Trade Representative, you were in on the negotiations for the Phase 1 trade deal with China. Uh, what's your assessment of where that stands now, and what do you see ahead as far as trade with China? What I see going forward is a lot more volatility. I'm reminded of all the criticism we got that none of this was going to amount to anything, and we knew it would, and we negotiated some 57 different structural changes in our trading relationship. It was 33 negotiating sessions over the course of years, so we met almost once a week 
for a year. They've fixed, uh, Mike, about, I would say 52 or 53 of them are done. Before we started the negotiation, we had about 1,500 facilities in the U.S. eligible to export our ag products to China. Today, we're well over 4,000 facilities in the U.S. that are eligible to export their products now. And I think that really speaks to where this relationship is headed. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Matt, uh, we heard earlier from DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson about rain slowing harvest and corn planting in Brazil and lack of rain in Argentina. Uh, Is this going to become a bigger and bigger factor with the markets, you think? You know, you've got to think that it would be. Uh, We saw the same types of things there yesterday afternoon. And, of course, we uh, had really exciting markets uh, Sunday evening. Sunday evening, though, Mike, if we would have all been selling Sunday evening's rally the last several weeks, you and I would both be pretty rich. But, you know, (laughs) it's done nothing. But you see this big rally Sunday night, and then we kind of fade it. Now, obviously, Bean's kind of holding back on to what they've – uh, at least a better portion. You got beans up right now and corn down. But to answer the question, absolutely. I'll tell you what, Mike, if that Sofrina crop can't get put in the ground before too long, I know that they've already got some of it in the ground, but they've been saying at least a third of it was going to go in the ground late. Uh, definitely getting in a dry season. It's a very concerning issue because there's no question we need a big crop out of South America and North America. So, I've got to think that moving forward, a person would be very hesitant to get due down on this corn market, at least until we quantify what's going on down there, because not only are they going to see less production in Argentina, but you could see quite a bit less production in Brazil. You you said an interesting word there. We need a big crop out of there. That That's how things have changed. Oh, things have changed dramatically. I mean, you know, my personal opinion is that uh, this old crop situation in the U.S. is tighter than what we've uh, uh, than what we're letting on. I, I think that you know, the USDA has probably got it right in that the grand total of the two years probably puts us next year to one five carry out with good production. But that's assuming good production, and so I think that this old crop situation is a little tighter than what we thought. First of all, second of all, I think that uh, China does not have near the corn uh, that the USDA has on their ledger currently. Now I don't want the USDA's job. I mean that's a tough tough deal and the Chinese are not going to let us in on on what uh, they've got going on because they don't want anybody knowing but I think it's tighter and I think the world ledger is quite a bit tighter and so yes we need to have big crops because uh, the consumption for protein just the insatiable appetite for protein right now uh, around the world particularly in China uh, is not going to let these commodities uh, uh, get too burdensome anytime soon. How does the strength of the dollar figure into this? Oh, good Lord. The strength of the dollar, uh, you know, has been really an interesting thing here lately. You know, you've got uh, essentially a lot of folks trying to bet the inflation uh, game. Uh, essentially, you keep printing money. We know that. We're going to print another couple trillion dollars, which uh, what's that amongst friends, right? Uh, but, yes. you know, you're going to print more money. And, and so that would tell you at some point uh, it's got to be uh, bearish the dollar, you would think. 
you know, but at the same time, uh, that's not what we've seen happen here recently. And so I think that some folks are looking and saying, hey, actually, maybe here in the U.S. you're going to see decent GDP growth. Maybe that's a decent place to put some money for the time being. Now, with a dollar going up like that, it's certainly going to make our products a little more expensive on the world market. Uh, but if they're the only products on the world market to access, uh, you know, because Brazil has had a hard time getting enough beans rounded up to really ramp up their export game, uh, then there's no question that you're going to see uh, U.S. exports continue uh, to impress us. Do you see anything um, that could switch the acre number one way or the other as we wait for the planning intentions report uh, uh, later this month? What are your thoughts on how what could swing that one way or another? You know, the interesting thing on acreage, I've got to think there's less swing acres than what we typically see because we had such a good fall last year. Okay, so that brings you to the swing acres that you've got. And I don't even know what, what they are, but regardless, whatever those swing acres are, uh, they did not put anhydrous on, obviously, or they wouldn't be quoted, uh, you know, swing acres. Mm-hmm. See what anhydrous has done over the last uh, four or five months, and I cannot imagine that most people are going to be staring 1255 beans in the face uh, for fall and say, you know what, I think I'm just going to go ahead and throw four or $500 an acre out into a corn crop. Uh, yes, corn is 477 on the board, uh, but like I said, uh, inputs have surged as far as putting that corn crop out. I've got to think that the uh, the swing acres will be heavily slanted towards soybeans. And so in the grand scheme of things, I, I personally believe your corn and bean acreage will be fairly close. Now, at the end of the month, we're going to get our planning intentions. And, Mike, I wouldn't be at all surprised if we don't come out with just some super eyebrow-raising numbers. Uh, I, I think that the producer is going to say, hey, we've got better profit margins on the table than we've had in a long time. Uh, we're going to step in here, and we're going to plant fence row to fence row, and we're going to get everything in the ground we can. I think that survey is going to show a pretty pretty sizable jump in acreage. It's been a while since we've seen this kind of competition for acres. I mean, the market's trying to buy acres for a lot of commodities. You're absolutely right. You know, I mean, obviously the wheat market's still pretty healthy. Uh, Historically speaking, if you want to look over, you know, there's no doubt that this uh, cotton market has been uh, pretty interesting. I mean, you're looking at, uh, you know, mid to high 80s for cotton. And and most of the producers you talk to uh, in the Delta and in cotton country are going to tell you that, uh, you know, that's a a very profitable place. And so you're absolutely right. Milo and sorghum, you know, in in, uh, Kansas, a lot of folks are telling me in that part of the world, Nebraska, you know that uh, they're going to definitely be looking closer at Milo. I think uh, a lot of producers are getting a really strong basis uh, for Milo for fall because they think demand is going to, you know, the processor thinks demand is going to be that strong, and so definitely takes less money to put Milo on the ground. Now you can't quite get the same yield, but from a profitability standpoint, I'm hearing more and more producers saying if they don't get some serious moisture soon, that they're going to be switching some of those corn acres back over to Milo. Hmm, yeah, those are the kind of switches we'll be watching as uh, we pay more and more attention to uh, weather as uh, each week passes by now. Our weather here in this country uh, will become the big focus. Hey, always good to talk with you, Matt. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Hey, thanks for having me, Mike. Take care. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. That wraps it up. Busy program today. Lots more to talk about tomorrow, including more reaction to this big stimulus package, what's in it for agriculture, and uh, we'll break it down more tomorrow. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA. Stay safe, everyone.
Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.